The following podcast is a Clutch Media production. Welcome to They Get It. My name's Kelsey, and my co-host Emma and I love direct-to-consumer brands. Whether it's an amazing customer experience or a really killer social strategy, this podcast will feature the brands and founders who just get it. All right, we're back with another episode of They Get It. This is a great conversation with Jacqueline, the founder of Sarisha Beauty. And this is actually a fun one for us. We preach the value of community time and time again. And our very first episode with Julia from Two Peonies, she actually references Sarisha Beauty. And then lo and behold, a couple weeks later, we've got Jacqueline on the podcast. Yeah, I mean, community over everything else. And I think that's what's so inspiring about all the women we've had on is they just want to help other people too. And yeah, Jacqueline is just an absolute sweetheart and a breath of fresh air and also very, very smart. Yeah, really smart. And I just think so in tune with her gut instincts. And one thing I want everyone to listen for as she answers all these questions is this level of consistency. How she lives her life is exactly mirrored in her business. And then that's exactly mirrored in how she approaches her brand partnerships and her wholesale partners. And I just think there's a level of intentionality with Jacqueline's business that not every founder leads with. Yeah, it's really special and it really stood out to me how much she lets her intuition drive how she builds her business. It's such a unique approach and I think you're really going to enjoy learning about it. Let's get into it. Let's do it. Well, thank you so much for coming on today, Jacqueline. We're so excited to learn more about you and Sarisha. Um, Definitely a brand we've had our eye on for a while now. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. I binged all your podcast episodes today and it was very entertaining so and well I mean not even entertaining but like just learned a lot so I'm excited and honored to be on the show music to our ears well to start us off um, why don't you give us a background on Sarisha what is the brand and what inspired you to start it okay so Sarisha is a natural beauty and fragrance brand we're based in Toronto and what I like to describe it as is modern botanical beauty inspired by the ancient apothecary. So really- oh, I my- love that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, so yeah, like my really my goal is to create a brand that kind of helps you pause time, go back to what beauty was, which is was always a ritual. Because um, I feel like we're just always moving so quickly throughout our days. And beauty has sort of become something that we kind of just throw into our routine, like quickly put on your moisturizer or your oil and do your makeup, go run out the door. I mean, I think 2020 has kind of slowed everyone down and mm-hmm. we're, we're awakening to, you know, taking our time and really investing in our skincare routine. So that really is the the, the goal for the brand is to really have people slow down, go back to what beauty was, use tools like a guasa or a, a roller, and then also, you know, mixing your mask yourself because we can get more into this, but masks are the most potent when they're first activated. So if you're using a pre-activated mask or a pre-mixed mask, it it will still be great, but it won't be as potent as if you were getting a powdered mask, mixing it with your floral water or your maple syrup or your honey, whatever it is you like to mix it with, and then applying it and then only uh, mixing the amount that you need and then saving the rest for the future. So that's really what we're trying to do. Go back to ancient rituals and it's heavily influenced and inspired by my Indian roots. Both my parents are born in India. And so growing up, I was always surrounded by raw materials like turmeric and my mom would make her own yogurt. So we'd do like masks made out of turmeric and yogurt. Um, 
hair oil treatments. Growing up, I was always obsessed with beauty. And it's so funny because I never would have thought that I'd start a business, to be honest. Growing up, I um, both my parents were teachers. So I grew up going to their schools during PD days and helping them out. And um, so I went to teacher's college. That's what I thought I would be doing. And yeah. yeah, so it's very different. But I was always very obsessed with beauty. So I have two older sisters. And so growing up, I would sneak into their rooms when they're at work and I'd put on their MAC eyeshadows <laughs> and I'd get in so much trouble because they'd be like, were you in our room? Why is all our makeup messed up? And I'd go to school as this grade two kid with eyeshadow and my teacher. Oh my <laughs> I love it. Uh, and so I have a twin sister and we would give gifts to our family members. We we'd make up this imaginary spa called Twin and Twin Beauty and we'd make little cards and gift them like a free pedicure or whatever so and I went through a phase in like grade seven where I did my own eyebrows it was horrible but it's really really bad looking at pictures from elementary school now but (laughs) but yeah so so I've always been super obsessed with beauty and so it's funny now after starting this brand and then connecting the dots to my childhood and I I feel like we all sort of somehow it obviously it evolves with our interests as we get exposed to new things but I feel like what we end up doing as adults can sometimes be tied to things that we were interested in as kids. So yeah, that's kind of how I got inspired to start the brand. But I mean, it's a it's kind of a long story how I actually started it. I don't know if you guys want to get into it fully, but... <laughs> Trust me, we do. Okay. Um, but I'm actually curious because, I mean, a lot of kids are exposed to some sort of beauty at a young age. What was it about these products for you that was so mesmerizing? Yeah. So for me growing up, whenever I wanted to try something, let's say it's a face mask, I I had very clear skin growing up until let's say maybe my late teens and early 20s when I would start breaking out from food intolerances and stuff like that. But yeah, growing up, I had pretty clear skin. But for some reason, I would go, you know, flipping through magazines and all those teen magazines, they would have these recipes to make your own face mask or whatever it is. And so I would make those. And then when I'd go to the store like Walmart or wherever with my mom, if we were going grocery shopping, I would see that these masks like cleaning, clear, Neutrogena, things like that. And I would ask my mom, can we, for some reason it was face masks that I was obsessed with too. I don't know why. Yeah, it was very weird, but I would always ask to buy these products and my mom would never let me. And in the moment I thought she was just being cheap or something, you know, but she was like, no, we can make it ourselves. You know, it would be so much better. Yeah. So, so growing up, I was always encouraged to kind of work, you know, make things ourselves. And my mom always made our own birthday cakes and she always was, she was a very DIY person. So I think just seeing that and then, you know, not being able to try these products now, looking back, I'm actually grateful because if I do use those products now, I do break out. So I have to be careful. Um, But I I don't know what it was about beauty. I, I just, I think like a lot of, a lot of kids, I just consumed a lot of media in the sense of watching tv and magazines and seeing celebrities and I was just always so so intrigued by their I guess their beauty like seeing how they wore their makeup and I would always watch youtube videos to see how can I recreate this makeup look and I now it's funny because I'm not a huge I I mean I just don't wear a lot of makeup now but as a kid that was something I was really into um but I don't know what what it was that triggered it I think just being in a home with so many girls I have four sisters um, oh wow yes. <laughs> that's a lot of girls <laughs> yeah, around them, like seeing my older sisters get ready my mom I've just always been very intrigued by beauty um and mm. it's like a very universal thing and I, I just love how now 
beauty has evolved in, in a way where there's not one, I mean, obviously we still have a long way to go, but there's not one universal idea of beauty. We're seeing all sorts of faces mm-hmm. on magazines and growing up, I didn't really have that, you know, cause I, I, like I grew up in, to be honest, I grew up in a very white neighborhood. And so, which was great for me because I had friends of different backgrounds and I learned a lot, but then also I felt very different because I'm Indian. So I looked different and a lot of the celebrities that I loved and singers and actresses, they were not, they didn't look like me. So growing up, I was, I guess like, yeah, it just felt like I had to really focus on my looks a lot. And that was something that I thought about a lot. And I was, yeah, I was like really focused on beauty for some reason, maybe because I felt different and I don't Mm -hmm. know. But yeah, I think that's kind of what started it. Just the fact that I noticed that I looked different and then how can I feel more beautiful? Is it using these products? Is it using this makeup? So kind of like a sad story in a way, because it was probably a lot of insecurity has evolved into something where now I can embrace my beauty. I can make other people feel more beautiful. Um, I'm connected more to my roots now because the brand is heavily influenced by Indian ingredients. So it's kind of a full circle. I'm still figuring it out, but you know, it's kind of coming full circle. Yeah. You know, it's so nice that what used to make you insecure is now what differentiates your brand and you get to fully show up and have that resonate with people. And, you know, me and Kelsey always say more voices, not fewer. And I think it's the same thing here. That's really nice. Yeah, I think so too. I think that that's something that I kind of struggle with too, is how, because I'm still figuring it out. I'm still trying to figure out who I am. And, and, you know, so being inspired by my roots, I hope it's something that more people can relate to, even if, you know, they might have a different upbringing or whatever it is. But just, I think we all, if we go back to all of our histories, when beauty and the cosmetic industry started, you know, I don't even know when. I'm not a great history person. <laughs> but when, when like the cosmetic industry started, it was very much plant-based. It was very much just using extracts and oils. And so I think in some way it's very intuitive. We all kind of, I think that's the, the way that beauty is moving back towards is natural and clean and green and plant-based. And I think that's a great thing because I think that's how it should be, to be honest. I completely agree. And I think it's just conscious consumerism is rising, right? And people are paying more attention to what's in their products. And it creates this opportunity to build brands that are going to resonate what the consumer wants. Yeah, exactly. So you touched on natural and ethical. And that was one of the first thing we noticed about your brand is that you prioritize that. So how do you go about sourcing these products? And how do you develop your formulations? I know you said a lot of it comes from... um, just your childhood, but yeah, curious to dig into that a bit. Yeah, totally. So when I'm sourcing ingredients, um, what I've learned, because I started the brand in 2018, and so it's been about two years, and I've had a lot of trial and error and made a lot of mistakes, but it's okay because you learn. So (laughs) (laughs) my goal eventually is to uh, connect directly with farms where I'm just, you know, there's no middleman. I'm just working with Mm -hmm. farmers and I can pay them how much I I would normally be getting them if I was using a supplier. But, you know, that's my goal. Eventually, I just need to grow a bit more where I where I can order larger quantities. But Mm -hmm. so right now I do work with suppliers, but I make sure that when I'm working with them, I'm asking a lot of questions. I'm asking for certificates. I'm asking what are the conditions that the farmers are are working in? Do you have pictures of them that I can see? Like I like as much as I can get from them. That's what I try to do, because I've been in situations where I was so excited to, let's say, work with a supplier because they had an ingredient that I was looking for and I couldn't find anywhere else. And so 
I was so excited that I was worried if I asked too many questions, they might not want to work with me. And those situations are where I got, you know, where I shot myself in the foot in a way because those when those um, packages arrived or the ingredients arrived right away, I could tell it was not up to my standards in terms of quality and or, you know, I got completely scammed because it was not like a fully I could just tell it was not organic. It was not whatever it is that I was looking for. It's just not to that level. So mm-hmm. I pretty much had to throw throw it away or, you know, because it was just not usable. And so I learned that when you're working with a supplier, don't be afraid to ask questions because if if they're getting a little sketchy, probably you don't want to work with them, you know? So. I find that so interesting, Jacqueline. We actually just had a conversation with Billy from Tribe Beauty Box, and she was saying the same thing about texting your customers and feeling like she was overstepping. And I almost think maybe it's a duty as a founder of these brands. Like you owe it to your customers to take up space and to ask the questions and not be shy. And I think that's such a valuable lesson that you would never know until you've received that first batch of subpar product, right? And it's such a shame, but I I love the fact that you're calling that out. It's not something people are anticipating until they're sitting in that seat. Totally. And I think it makes sense. Of course, when you're starting a business, you know, you can be a bit nervous, like, oh, I don't want to piss anyone off. But honestly, at the end of the day, you want to create things that, that you're happy with and that you're proud right. to put out there, right? And so um, for me, it's just really important. I'm learning this now too, because when I do formulate, what for me, because I do have very sensitive and acne prone skin, I realized that a lot of the green beauty products that I would want to use, they included ingredients that just didn't work for my skin. And a lot of the natural and green beauty products I've noticed are formulated formulated for people with dry or normal skin types and not necessarily for people with acne prone or sensitive skin or combo skin. Hmm. So our best seller is the Green Goddess Glow Oil. And the reason why I truly believe it's so great is that I made sure it was formulated for those with my skin type, with sensitive acne prone combo skin and in that way it works for us but then it also works for those who have more normal skin more dry skin so it's kind of like a universal product that works for all skin types out of the hundreds of people who have used it I think I've gotten literally maybe like a day ago which was my first (laughs) my first negative email because you know what and I, I this happens to me all the time I'll try a product I'm so excited to try it it looks amazing, great reviews, and I'll try yeah. it. And it's not the pro- the issue is not with the product. It's, there was an ingredient that I am just sensitive to, and I don't know exactly. which one it is. So this yeah. customer, she um she it just didn't work well for her. And and to like I'm completely being completely honest, this is the first time this has happened. So I was a little bit shocked to be honest. Um, yeah, but fair. you know it it just happens. Like sometimes you try a product, it just doesn't work for you. There's nothing wrong with it. It it, it could be a great product, but it's just something that didn't work with your skin so mm-hmm. but but out of the one there was one <laughs> one negative uh, <laughs> feedback but out of everyone who's tried it it's kind of like a universal product it works for most people so that's how I start with formulating I try to think okay if I had to pick the person with the most sensitive skin would this product work for them and then if it works for them it should work for everyone Hmm. Um, yeah, so that's kind of how we started. I'm trying to not compare myself to two because I know when you're a small brand, it's really easy to compare yourself with other beauty brands who are constantly launching new products. And oh yeah, uh, it's hard to not compare yourself to that because it's like, oh, am I not moving fast enough? But I'm realizing through working with mentors that right now it's probably better to just focus on what I do have and just building those products, the awareness, the education promoting them, learning more about the marketing side, all that, because 
I just want to focus on what I have right now. And I'm not, you know, like it's all self-funded too. So I can't just be like putting out all these new products. I need to really focus on now kind of moving backwards and and just building the business. When I first started Sarisha, I I didn't really plan anything. I didn't have a marketing strategy. I didn't have a business plan. (laughs) I had nothing. So now time to actually like, okay, maybe I should make a business plan. Maybe I should figure out what my marketing strategy is and all that. So that's kind of what I'm focusing on. I mean, this is nothing to do with the question you asked, but I like to ramble. So no, I love it because we take it in so many different directions. I think that's so interesting because anything in the beauty or the wellness category, it's not like you're launching another design on another t-shirt, right? Like you really have to put so much into the formulation, the development of the product, the testing. And I actually so appreciate when people can kind of stay in their lane and focus on what's core to the business without getting distracted by, oh, what products could I launch? It's more so what does my target market need and how do I show up in the best way I can for them? Totally. Yeah, I love that. Okay. So now I want to pivot a bit um, because I noticed you do wholesale and D2C. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I would love to hear about how you've grown the wholesale aspect of your business and any unique challenges that arose from that. Cause I think it's, it's a really good channel to look into obviously being in different stores and that sort of thing really helps with your brand exposure, but yeah, interested to hear um, what might be challenging about it. When I first started and I, I would look at other brands and I would, you know, look at their websites and see their stockist and just see hundreds of different shops. And so when I first started, I I was thinking, oh, is, is that what I should be doing? Should I be in all these different retail stores? And so I agree, it's really great for brand awareness and to get the brand out there to partner with different shops and wholesalers. But I realized as I continue with the brand that it's actually really important to be picky with who you work with and the shops you work with. And so, so for me, I really want to to make sure that I'm partnering with brands or wholesalers or retail shops that I really love and I could see myself wanting to shop there because at the end of the day, my brand is an extension of who I am. And so, I mean, I know a lot of people don't see their businesses in that way, but I feel like I do. My brand is almost a part of me and it's, it really reflects like my style and my taste and all that. So I want to make sure that when I'm partnering with a, sh- with a retailer, it's a shop that I would want to shop with. I totally feel aligned with them and you know when I'm talking with the founder or the owner I feel a connection in some way and I feel like they're excited about my brand and it's not just to have you know another beauty brand in their shop it's because they feel something about my brand that they connect with and they love and so I guess challenges would be because in all honesty when you're one person it's a lot of work to especially if you're doing more consignment model it's, it's a lot of work to stay on top of um, all your retail partnerships and make sure that mm-hmm. you're getting your invoices at the end of the month and right. you know, you're checking in with them, you're you're visiting the shops, which I need to do a better job doing because... It, <laughs> well, that's hard this year. I know, it's hard <laughs> this year. Um, but so it, it's not an easy thing to have retail partners. You need to really invest time into building them and, and strengthening them. And so now it's almost like, okay, less is more for me because I would like to be in a lot of stores, but then also, you need to be a bit choosy. You need to think about it. Yeah, you really do. Of, yeah, right? Like you need to think about, am I just one out of 20 different beauty brands in their store or will I stand out in some way? I think the challenge would be to know when, I mean, all it all comes down to trusting your intuition and just what your gut tells you about partnerships in general. But I guess the challenge would just be 
don't compare yourself with other brands. You don't know. They could have teams or someone dedicated to working with other wholesalers or retail partners. So just be, when you're first starting out, I would say just be a bit picky. Mm-hmm. Align with brands that you believe in or shops that you believe in. It's not a numbers game. I say, I always say it's, I mean, it's, it's quality over quantity. So think about that because uh, it's a lot of work to maintain retail partners. Okay, we warned you that this was going to get specific. So here we go. <laughs> when it comes to establishing a new relationship with a wholesale partner, how does that conversation start? And what are you responsible for bringing to the table versus what are they pitching in that conversation? So when I first started, I definitely was the one reaching out to shop okay. and retailers. And so I, I'm everything I've learned as I go. And so I guess at the start, I think one of my first retail retail partners was actually a friend uh, connected me with the owners and I, I just dropped by, this is pre-COVID, and I just dropped by and talked to them and dropped off some samples and um, then they loved the product. I think it was the green goddess that they first tried and then um, we went from there and then um, after that, the other ones have been, they've reached out to me, either they saw my product somewhere or they a friend recommended it word of mouth. So I haven't really worked too much at getting into other retailers. It's it's mostly been word of mouth where they've heard of the brand or we had a friend of a friend or some kind of connection in that way. So yeah, bringing to the table, I think it has to work both ways. I think it's a relationship. So I think when I first started, I almost thought like, okay, I drop off the products and that's it. And then they yeah. do the rest. If only it were that easy. <laughs> But I realize now as time passes, it's it's a relationship that I have to also work at cultivating. So visit the shop, promote their shop also on our page. You know, it's not it's not just a one way thing because I also want to make sure I'm bringing something to the table. And so I, I did this new thing which where I'll visit the store and kind of share a bit about the, the founder and three interesting facts about them and have them do something a little bit silly on my story to get my community a bit uh, interested in their store as well. So just things like that. Um, one shop that I can think of is Zane on Queen West. We do a couple like funny videos here and there. I think I, I was in one of their videos over the break on Boxing Day. And then so we just like it, it has to be a relationship and you have to feel someone told me this a few days ago. I know I keep saying a few days, but I feel like I've just learned a lot. in the past. <laughs> it's been a big week. <laughs> Yesterday was a big day. I just learned everything. But <laughs> uh, so they were saying how in any type of partnership when you're in regards to your business if that person doesn't feel like home in some way like you don't feel that you probably shouldn't partner with them you want to feel like the best feelings about someone and I've been in situations where I've partnered with people where my gut was just something was off and it was just not an enjoyable experience for different reasons but you just have to trust your gut and and that person that you're partnering with whether it's a wholesaler or retailer influencer whatever it is like they you have to trust that you have to trust your gut. You have to feel good about it. And honestly, I think that's a benefit of female founders is that that woman's intuition is strong. And I think letting that guide you is so beneficial and just being authentic in, in how you want to grow your business and staying true to your own values. It's huge. Oh, yeah, for sure. And like you said, our intuition is so powerful. And once you learn to connect with that side of yourself, it will make running a business or whatever you're doing so much more smooth and things will just start to fall in place in a way where it's almost like, how is it this easy? But not that it's never easy, but it will just get easier when you start. To- it just fits. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, this is actually interesting because Sarisha was first brought to our attention from a conversation we had with two peonies and there was a brand collaboration that you guys engaged in. Can we talk a little bit about how you find, whether that's retailers or whether it's other brands to partner with, how do you choose who feels like home? Okay. So it's kind of interesting that you brought this up because about a year ago, last September, I was in a pop-up at Stacked Market in Toronto. And, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so it was it was a female woman-owned brand um, pop-up. So there were a couple brands there, and I really connected with one brand founder who um, has a jewelry line. And it was only a two-week pop-up, but at the end of the two weeks, we looked at each other and we were like, this was so fun. We met so many different brand founders. How can we continue this? So we're, we're not doing it anymore, but we started um, this group called Girls Girl, and we had it was a group of all female um, women founders, and um, there were about maybe 15, 15 of us, and so all Toronto-based brands, and so we all connected on a really deep level. It's, it was just a genuine friendship, and so a lot of these connections that I made through that group we had some pop-ups, we had some networking events, we had a panel at the Annex Hotel, we did a bunch of events. And so a lot of those connections I still have today. So for example, Jenna from the Silk Labs, uh, Kathy from Side of the Label, were really close friends, Corinne from One Day Beauty, uh, Rachel Joannis. So there's just so many, so many of us that we're just a really close group right now. And um, so it, it's been really fun to just have this group of women that are all kind of doing the same thing, building a brand. And we have, we're going through similar things. We can talk about different Mm. problems that are coming up with our businesses or, you know, share each other's successes and uh, celebrate each other's successes. So in that way, it was, it was kind of like a serendipitous moment where we just all met. And now for the past year, especially throughout 2020, we were able to be there for each other. And so I did a collab with the Silk Labs. I made her a hair oil for her brand. And with Julia, I don't remember how we met. I think we somehow connected over Instagram. And then I, oh, I think, yeah, I think I, I found her brand on Instagram. And then I started the circuit. And um, she then saw my brand. And then, um, so when I did a shoot, we had her, her arrangements in the shoot. Yeah, it was just really nice. And then we interviewed her for our blog. And then we've just been in touch. And just throughout the year and, you know, like a natural connection. I think, like you said, for women, it's just sometimes we just connect in a way that is so powerful and deep. And especially when you're, you know, going through a similar experience of starting a brand, there's so much that you can connect on. It's just really awesome to collaborate with other women. I think that's such a fun part of having a brand. I think that's one of my favorite parts of having a brand is connecting with artists and other creators and influencers and all that. It's just a really cool experience to get to connect with people. Yeah, no, it's so much I want to dig into there. Um, And I think it's similar to what Kelsey and I have found in recording our episodes so far. Like everyone we meet is just so genuine and just wants to help each other get ahead. And it honestly just really warms my heart. And I think that's so cool that you guys started that group. And it sounds like you have some other people we should talk to on the podcast too. Yeah, for sure. I want to know about how this group formed because one of the things Emma and I were talking about before the podcast was even part of it is like how important this whole idea of community is. And I don't want to make this a gender thing, but if you look on Twitter, the D2C community is like 90% guys and they're so supportive, hyping each other's brands up and stuff like that. But I just don't feel like there's that same 
level of support with women on Twitter. And so one of the things that we were thinking about is, okay, how do we create this group of friends or this group of colleagues that can go support each other? And it sounds like you're already doing this. How did it start? Did you just reach out to people on Instagram and decide to go get coffee one day? Or what did that look like? Yeah, essentially, because when I started it with the partner, we're not doing it anymore because of COVID. And it was a lot, it's a lot of work to do that because that's a a whole other project on its own. So like having my business and then having to work on that was, it was just too much. (laughs) But I think it was really needed and it still is needed to have this kind of support group. So yeah, I think we just started reaching out to different brands on Instagram, telling them about the organization or I would I don't even know what to call it group or whatever but we would tell them about what we're trying to do and invite them to networking events and we had some like wine nights and things like that and it was really fun because everyone just connected naturally and it wasn't it didn't feel like a networking event it just really felt like we were friends for a long time and that we just we were able to open up so easily and so quickly so I think yeah I think reaching out via DM or on Instagram I think a lot of brand owners do feel lonely they're going through all this on their own, right? Like a lot of founder is just a super lonely experience because no one else really, I mean, unless you have a team, no one is really working with you. You're working alone all day. So it's nice to have people to connect with. Totally. Well, and one thing you start to learn when you're talking with other founders and having these conversations is like, what are your strengths versus theirs, right? And how does that play into the brands that you're building? When you were evaluating yourself relative to the other people at the table, did you identify your superpower in building Sarisha? Oh, for sure. I think some of my good friends who have their own brands, I'm always so impressed with their ability to use technology and innovative and you know like a lot of them are on TikTok and are doing reels and I haven't gotten to that point yet where I I feel comfortable doing that (laughs) but I'm so impressed I think I wish that was my superpower but it's not (laughs) um but I think I've noticed that for me a superpower of mine is kind of bringing people together and creating a community and I love doing Instagram lives and things like that, where I can have people engage with the brand. And so that's something I want to focus on more in the future. But also, I would say, you know, following my intuition is another superpower, because I think that's helped me a lot along the way. And sorry, I'm giving you three answers. (laughs) No, I love it. Keep going. And I would say just, you know, learning, I think 2020 taught me this, but learning when it's time to take a break, not put too much pressure on yourself. And Think about the brand in the long term. Uh, it's all, I think it's really important as brand founders, if you're really trying to create something that is sustainable, think about the long game. Don't think about what's going to bring more sales. I mean, that's important too, but what drives me is creating something that I'm proud of, creating something that I think is going to leave a positive feeling with the people using our products and creating something that's beautiful. So I get my superpowers to see the long game and not be too rushed to you know, do all these things that are just trying to get a quick sale. I'm trying to really create an experience and I'm, I'm learning and obviously evolving that side of the brand. One thing that comes through to me as well is just that your lifestyle and your values are infused into your brand. And I think that really does help in the long term because it's something that feels so authentic to you. So I kind of want to hear more about just how you choose to live your life. You touch on that you live a plant-based lifestyle. How did you come to that decision? Yeah. So when I moved to Paris, I was living with a bunch of other people and I had a roommate who was a pescatarian. And so he was showing me a bunch of videos about, you know, just the way that animals are treated and and the way that where meat really comes from and it turned me off from me just seeing those videos and also at the time I was a student so I was 
buying my own groceries and it was just cheaper anyways to not be buying meat and all that so that started and so at that time I was strictly uh plant-based and then I was plant-based for about two years and then I started to have some some issues with my gut where I couldn't eat certain things and a lot of plant-based diet is focused on grains and legumes and things like that my body just wasn't I I think I you know I had some gut issues and so it just didn't work for me so now I would say I'm about 90% plant-based and I introduce fish and eggs once in a while just to make sure I'm getting some nutrients that I'm missing from not eating grains and legumes in my diet but for me it's more of a holistic approach because I think that if you can if you can get what you need from plants I would say go for it if you can eat 100% plant-based and your body thrives in that way I would say go for it because that is what I think the best way to live your life but you know obviously I don't want to say the best way but I think it's just really in tune with nature and I don't want to preach anything because obviously it's really individual it depends on your health condition and what your body can tolerate but in all aspects of my life I try to just be as clean and as pure as I can so like what products I'm using even cleaning supplies um just eating the least processed foods that I can, trying to avoid processed foods, because I do think that what you put in your body and on your body is so such a has such a huge impact on your overall health. So yeah, I think also one thing I just want to mention is that it's not about being perfect. And I think that's what we need to realize, because it's often, you know, when you're following a lot of people in the wellness industry, it could become a bit overwhelming, where you feel Mm -hmm. like, oh, you need to do all the things and take all the supplements and try all the different, you know, and I think it's okay to just take it slow and introduce one new thing and then maybe cut out sugar for a bit or, you know, process sugar and then slowly try and try different things. I don't think it has to be, I don't think we need to uh, strive for perfection, but then if you can, I think beauty is, is a very interesting thing because I don't, I think you can get everything that you need from plants when it comes to beauty. So there's almost no reason to not use plant-based beauty. Yeah. I think you're speaking to a point that, again, it's so obvious in retrospect, but when you're building, it's just maybe not that way. This power of consistency, right? Whether it's your own socials that people are following or your site or Sarisha's socials, it's just all preaching the same message. Maybe preaching was the wrong word, but you know what I mean? Like they're seeing the same story told time and time again. Mm -hmm. And one thing I think even just amplifies that message is your refill program, right? So if you're trying to be clean and mindful and conscious about everything you're consuming and putting on your body, of course, a refill program makes so much sense. Can you tell our audience, first of all, how you're approaching the refill program and what it is? Yeah, for sure. So when I launched the Green Goddess Oil, I noticed that a lot of the purchases were repeat purchases. So customers who already had the original packaging. And so it felt a bit, and I knew from myself too, using my own products that I was just refilling my bottle. I didn't need to keep getting a new one. So I thought about it and I thought it would be smart to just have that option. So if someone wants to just get a refill, they can transfer the oil. It will come in a glass vial and just a plain glass vial. They already have the product. They already have the packaging. They know what's in it. Um, So of course, when someone's ordering a refill, I make sure to see that I have some kind of history that I see that they've ordered the original bottle. And then if I don't have that, so if I see that this is their first purchase of that product, I'll reach out to them and just ask them where they got the original packaging, just so that I know that they do have the original bottle because, you know, I want the experience to be beautiful. So if you're just using the oil, I don't know how you use it just through the glass. (laughs) Just dump it on your face. Pouring it on your hand or whatever it is, but yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know, <laughs> but I've had situations where customers have ordered just the refill, and I, I, I think in a way maybe I need to do a better job to show what it looks like because I don't know if they think it's coming in. Yeah, you know, so that's that's a funny thing to navigate. I have to definitely work on that, but. So I just try to make sure that I know that they've ordered the original bottle so that they have that. And then the refill will come in a glass vial. And the reason why I think that's a great solution is that the, once you transfer that oil into your original bottle, the refill glass vial can be used for different things. So you can wash it and you can store, let's say, your multivitamins and then carry that in your mm. purse. Or you can put, I don't know, your salad dressing or whatever it is because you can, you know, you can just fill it up with whatever you want to right. use it for. And what are you really going to do with another dropper bottle? You're not going to use it for something else. So yeah, I, I, you know, I order products regularly of different brands and I keep getting the same bottle over and over again and I have to toss it or recycle it. And mm -hmm. it kind of feels, it doesn't feel right in a way because I, I always feel like I'm just creating more waste. So I think having that option is really great, but I do want to just fine tune it a bit because I still want to find a way for the refill to come to the customer in a beautiful way. And so I think I'm going to have little boxes made for the refills where it just doesn't, it doesn't have the name of the refill and I can just write it down, but then it still comes in somewhat of a beautiful way that it's not, because right now what I do is I wrap it in a tissue paper and then I have, I put it in a muslin bag. So it's still, it's not, it's not horrible, but I think it could still be a little bit more beautiful. Mm -hmm. uh, beauty is important for me. I want like as much as I want the brand to be clean and green and, and um, eco-friendly, I want it to still be beautiful in a way. So that's something that I'm trying to do. Because yeah, you want it to be that ritual. You want it to be an experience for people. And, and ultimately that yeah. is part of the experience. So yeah, you just iterate as you go. We don't want to glamorize entrepreneurship. Is just tell us about a challenge that you faced throughout the process of starting Srisha. You know, it could have been a time you want to quit, a really hard decision, or something that got you stuck. To be completely honest, there's been many moments where I wanted to quit. Yeah. <laughs> been a lot of times. And it's so funny because every time I felt that way, there's been some sort of, I don't know if you want to call it a sign from the universe, but something that's happened that has almost been like, nope, keep going. This is what you're supposed to be doing. And okay, we need to hear more about that. <laughs> yeah, so last, so I told you about that group that I started, and so we did yeah. a holiday market, and we all within honestly, we started it in October, and all throughout October to December, we did a bunch of events, we did a panel, it was a lot, and so by the end of the year and getting into 2020, I was exhausted, and I just felt so unmotivated. I was also teaching at the time, so it was just a lot, and I didn't feel motivated to continue, and then one day. It's like 11 p.m. and I'm in bed or something and I'm on my phone and I get an email from some publicist or someone from the UK and they were like, hi, we just saw you in Vogue. Um, you, we would really love to like know if you have a PR or whatever. And, and I just ignored the whole email. I just see Vogue like what? So yeah. search. It was Vogue India. And so I search uh, Vogue India January 2020 issue. And somehow, I mean, on, I don't think we would this would happen for other Vogue or like Vogue USA but somehow I was able to find the entire issue of Vogue India online January 2020 and so I'm flipping through the pages on my phone and it's a pdf and I'm just going like next 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 and I'm getting to 100 and then finally I see it wow so a Vogue uh, a Vogue interview with um, a bunch of beauty brand founders and it, the uh, article was called Rebels with a Cause and they were just talking about brands that are green and trying to do something and so they talked about the sustainable refill program that we started which was so funny because I just didn't expect that at all and I think 
when they first sent me the questions, I think it was back, you know, like a couple of six months ago before that or, or a long time ago. So I totally forgot about it. So just seeing that right when I felt like I wanted to quit was like, oh, oh no, can keep going. You're in vogue. Like <laughs> you can't quit now. So that was pretty cool. Um, and then other than that, just along the way throughout 2020, I just kept meeting people who were either trying to get into the beauty brand industry or mm-hmm. like that. And it was almost like, okay, you can't quit. Like people are trying to do what you're doing. Like just seeing that the brand resonates and inspires people is what keeps me going. And it's fun too. It's fun to create your own thing and do your own thing and just be creative. And I'm excited to, I think when things slow down after the holidays to just spend a bit more time being creative and hopefully getting into reels and doing all that. Yeah, I think it kind of overwhelming, right? Like with so many things happening, we've had conversations with other founders where they feel like they've lost that initial love for the business that they originally started. So I think everything you do to stay in tune with that is so helpful, not just for the brand, but also for you as a founder and your own mental well-being. Yeah, for sure. Now, one thing I find just so interesting and so true is when you're seeing other people that you're inspiring, that's equally as inspiring for you. But when you look at who else is in the the space or other entrepreneurs, who do you think gets it or who do you look up to? One brand that I recently discovered is called Committee Members and they're a clothing line or a clothing brand. But what I really love about them is that I think they really figured out their why and you can tell that it's not a, it's not necessarily about the numbers it's really about the the feeling they're trying to create and inspire mm-hmm. people and so for me that's really inspiring. If I'm talking about the beauty industry, I really love Byredo. I just love the way that they just do everything right, I feel and the story is mm-hmm. so interesting, the founder story and um he's he's really inspiring to me and just the way that the packaging, I mean, if oh, you think about yes. it when they created their brand they almost yes. changed the whole beauty industry with the minimal look. Now almost every brand wow. has that look, right? Like every brand that comes out almost follows that exact that exact layout. Yeah. With the brand logo on the top, the name in the middle, and then like 10 yes. milliliters at the bottom. Or, you know, so it's almost like they created a new, I, I don't know if they're the first ones, but it seems like they are that created this new aesthetic for beauty. So they're very inspiring. And, and I'm trying to do something a little bit different with, our cotton labels and our our textured bottles and all that. So, because when I first started, I was kind of falling into that trap too to to create my products. Yeah, like this minimal, this really minimal um, product with like the black caps and all that. And as I move forward, I try I'm trying to kind of create my own aesthetic. But yeah, so those those are some brands that really inspire me. Oh, amazing! Well, you're so right. It's it's almost harder at a certain point to not copy and to really make something your own. I think you're doing such an amazing job with that. Maybe I'm biased, but Jacqueline, this has been such a fun conversation. I feel like your approach to building Sarisha and how thoughtful and intentional you are. And and that's not something that's easy to scale, but you've managed and you're years in now and on a really good path. Thank you so much. This was such a great convo and I'm almost like more fired up now. I'm even more motivated to keep going. (laughs) Thank you so much for this. Thank you for creating this platform. I don't know how we did that in as little time as we did. We just covered so many bases and Jacqueline was such a good sport. (laughs) Every question we threw at her, she was so detailed in her response. And the part that I kind of like about Jacqueline's answer is that it's not 
the perfect Sunday school polished answer. She's super honest when she gets bad reviews. Well, I mean, the one bad review in three (laughs) years, come on, the girl can give herself a little bit of a break. But I think that's important to highlight for founders or people thinking about starting their own thing is, you know, there's parts that are really uplifting and there are parts that you have to kind of plan for and brace for. Yeah. And I just love what she's doing with Sarisha. I think it's so inspiring how she's just kind of charted this path for herself. I mean, it's no surprise that the products are resonating. I mean, the packaging is beautiful. The brand ethos are amazing. And the products from just looking at the reviews, they're glowing, right? And so I think they're onto something. I'm so excited to watch Sharisha continue to evolve and to grow. And we're just really grateful to have gotten the chance to speak with Jacqueline. And as always, check us out on Instagram at they.get.it. Let us know your favorite part of this episode. Let us know who you want to hear from next. And we'll see you next week. Thank you.